2: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at AmITheRealBlair. My co host is Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going?
3: Uh, tremendous, Blair. Uh, this is actually my favorite week, the week before Thanksgiving. This was a fantastic slate of games, although, you know, despite a bunch of the really good fantasy teams being on bye.
2: Yeah, definitely. Big game for a lot of Rotoviz favorites, big week for a lot of Rotoviz favorites. Uh, got a lot to discuss and i'm really excited to be discussing it with our guest today joining us on the show is sean siegel sean is one of the owners of rotoviz and one of the editors and one half of overtime ireland you can follow him on twitter at ff underscore contrarian sean thanks for joining us how's it going Awesome.
1: This this week has been a lot of fun. We were talking about a before the show. If week seven was one of the worst weeks I have experienced in the decade plus of of doing the high stakes pretty seriously, uh, today was was one of the best. Maybe not top five, but it was it was close had went over 200 in a league where i'm clawing back have a, an outside shot at it uh ben Gretsch, who many listeners will know uh, he and i co-own a main event and uh with our win today we're gonna move right into a, a virtual dead heat for second place and then have their main event team putting up big points today with all of our road of his guys so yeah this is this is it's always fun to come on on a Sunday when, when things are going pretty much perfectly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, jump right in with one of these Rotovis guys who really had a, a huge week for us. DJ Moore caught six of nine targets for 126 yards and two touchdowns in the Panthers' Week 12 loss to the Saints. So, Sean, this was arguably Moore's best game of his career, and he has I mean definitely emerged as the wide receiver one for the Panthers. Would you say, or what would you say is Moore's dynasty value And where would you be considering him in startups going forward this offseason?
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because we wrote about more uh, a number of times on the site this week. Jack talked about uh, how he was a great by-low candidate, had only scored once, and he obviously gets twice as many touchdowns on the day-to-day. I was going back and look because I updated my Dynasty rankings just yesterday, and have a lot of our our young favorite wide receivers kind of right in that range. You know, Cortland Sutton, 21, gets shut down today, obviously, by the Bills. Uh, Cooper Cup 22, Chart, 23. Uh, In there with Keenan Allen, who I think is falling, someone who maybe doesn't have the upside uh, anymore, or just someone I don't like to have in that top 20 and Odell Beckham finally broke out a little bit today then Christian Kirk one of our guys at 26 Galladay 27 DJ Moore 28 Uh, Ridley someone else who you know put up a lot of it in garbage time but had a big game today and then Boyd at 30 so really a, a 10 in a row there for wide receivers. I think after the top running backs, it's very wide receiver heavy in terms of who you want to build your dynasty lineups with. And I think that you could certainly make an argument for more, you know, moving up. I think catching the long pass today, that was one of the things that he's been missing. I know Hassan has some thoughts about his viability as a deep threat versus Curtis Samuel, who we saw struggle a little bit today. I think adjusting to passes, uh, one of the cool things, not only having the long reception for Moore, but also his second, the short touchdown was sort of a weird adjustment where he sticks out the one hand, makes a fantastic catch. You know, Moore certainly could be as high as 20. You know, if you have him above the rest of those second-year wide receivers. I think that's one of the mo- more interesting things. We're going to see how it shakes out between Sutton, Shark, Kirk, Moore, Ridley. All of those guys you should definitely want to own. Um, am I high enough on in there, Hassan? Uh, yeah, I think you are. And really, this this i the, the idea,
3: it, it's not mine. It's not an original one. It was it actually germinated from reading this fantastic article by Pat Karain. Curtis Samuel is either really bad or about to explode. And I mean, like, I mean, uh, Pat gives a phenomenal rundown of of exactly the kind of volume that, that, that Curtis Samuel is seeing and just how he's underperforming it as this, like, you know, this, quote, unquote, deep threat. And uh, one of the things is it doesn't matter, it, at least personally to me, it, it doesn't matter as long as he's still going to see the targets. But um we've kind of seen those targets dry up. Part of it is because uh, Kyle Allen is pretty bad and you know i mean like they're they're, they're feeding cmc pretty much uh, the same volume of targets as dj more but if you go back to the highlights like w- one of the things is like people have like begged dj Moore, this intermediate guy and if you look at his um where he gets targeted in the uh road of his uh stat explorer yeah most of it is in the uh you know the uh in the lower quarters of the field and the intermediate quarters of the field. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's Kyle Allen under center. Uh, I, you know, I mean, again, he's still a fairly decent quarterback. I'm not going to say he's terrible, but he's fine. Um, but all, it does speak to just how good D.J. Moore is. And really what makes me more excited about D.J. Moore is that he's doing this. He's breaking out and continuing a sustained breakout at this young age. And he's... Um, just just screaming uh and taking away a lot of like samuels as target share uh just wanted to go back to your the dynasty question just where you would take him? so you know blair and i uh go on a, a squad over in dfwc we shared uh, our, our roster with you and we took dj moore as the wide receiver 13 which puts him uh, squarely in the middle of the third round um We took Diggs as wide receiver 10 after that game, Keenan Allen, then Adam Thielen, and then, and this looks really bad, A.J. Green. Would you be putting D.J. Moore as a top eight wideout or would you be considering him? You know, if
1: you if you had to draft him on your roster, like what is the latest you'd let him go? Yeah, I think you can move him into that range. I think, you know, you obviously still have Michael Thomas there, number one. I think you have Juju at number two, despite what's happened to him this year. You know, we could, a little bit like we've seen with Amari Cooper, if you have a second horrible year, you know, you start to fall, people lose uh, confidence in you. But it's pretty clear what's happened there with that team this season. Hopkins, getting a little bit older, still has the value. Uh, Devonte Adams, a little bit older, still has the value. Certainly, you want every little bit you can get of those two bucks wide receivers. Uh, Amari Cooper has moved back into that ultra elite range, uh, despite what he may have done to, to your quad-owned team today. After you get out of that, I mean, Stephon Diggs may be the best re- receiver in the NFL. Going to be tricky to put up huge, huge points in that offense, and then Tyreek Hill, obviously, uncoverable just in general, certainly uncoverable with Patrick Mahomes. Once you get beyond that group, then certainly DJ Moore is just as good a selection as any of the rest of those guys I mentioned.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. You can you can quibble about a lot of the guys in that in that range, and different people will have them ranked differently. But they, uh, you know, all make a pretty strong case to be. Uh, you know, almost in the top 12 of Dynasty wide receivers. Um, you know, one thing that I was hoping for going into this season was that perhaps we could see a breakout season from DJ Moore and also from Curtis Samuel. And uh, I don't know if, you know, the quarterback change has basically made that impossible, but do you think that this offense is good enough to uh, kind of sustain both of those guys at a high level and? Christian McCaffrey with Kyle Allen under center?
1: I think it is because McCaffrey is not one of those running backs who needs to have 30 carries, 20, 25 carries. The thing that is so exciting about what they've done is that they've used their best player, but they used him in a way where he is most effective. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not also the best running back in the NFL taking the handoff. I think he probably is. But when you're using him as this dynamic pass catcher, you're moving the chains. Everything that they did today is what they should be doing. And so especially if you maybe take a little bit of that volume away from Greg Olson, you know, for projecting forward, he's not going to be around having a huge role in the offense. Certainly those three guys could be big time dynasty values for a long time.
3: Philip Lindsay handled uh, 13 carries for 57 yards, and he tacked on an 11-yard reception in Denver's uh, Week 12 loss to the Bills. Meanwhile, uh, Royce Freeman rushed uh, twice for 20 yards and caught both of his targets for nine. Sean, it looks like Lindsay has emerged as a primary running back in the Broncos' backfield. What are you doing with Freeman uh, in redraft leagues going forward, and how do you gauge both uh, Freeman and Lindsay's values in Dynasty Leagues?
1: Redraft. It's pretty dark, right? I had to decide today between Freeman and Nikhil Harry and Greg Olson for sort of the last uh, flex spot in a couple of my deep uh, leagues, where you have know, three receivers and then still multiple flexes, and and bench Freeman uh, partly the matchup there, but when his receptions started to tick down i mean this quarterback change hasn't been good for anybody with that offense uh certainly they're going to be going to their rookie here at some point you know if health permits and with the broncos in dynasty i think you have to like both guys philip Lindsay can clearly play uh he's not necessarily Christian McCaffrey, you know, nobody is. But this idea that the small backs are going to get hurt or that they can't sustain what they do. Uh, I mean, Lindsey is explosively fast, right? Sees the hole, hits the hole, gets through the hole. You know, you want to have players like that in the contemporary NFL have really no questions about him. But Royce Freeman, he's still, I mean, he looked like he was going to emerge as sort of a, a discount David Johnson where you have this big back that has great agility, soft hands, you know, gets into that second level and then, you know, tough to bring down, but really gives you this player who is multifaceted and you can leave in for three downs. Now, you're not necessarily going to have that when you also have Philip Lindsay, but just having a bigger back who has that three down skill set, very exciting for fantasy owners. I don't know that we completely lost that at this point. But really the problem is that Denver's offense is not going to support very much. It's not going to support much beyond Cortland Sutton the way it is now. And certainly we saw today that in tough matchups it's not even going to support that. So I'm excited to see what Denver might do. Certainly not really as a chiefs fan, but as a fantasy owner excited to see what they might do in the future, but they've got a lot of work cut out for them. This team has really deteriorated over the last uh, 18 months or so.
2: Yeah. Denver is a really, Interesting team. I mean, in terms of like their offensive weapons outside of quarterback, they got, you know, a lot of my favorite guys between Sutton and Lindsey and Freeman and then Noah Fant also at tight end. So there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of guys that I would like to see uh, be able to, you know, be fantasy relevant and even more on a regular basis. Obviously, that's maybe not happening with Brandon Allen, but um, yeah, I don't know for, for the rest of the season, are you comfortable playing any of these guys besides Sutton?
1: What do you think, Sonar? Do you... fan of somebody who was starting to emerge a little bit, but just is so tricky week to week. And, and now we finally do. It's, it's been a, a difficult... Season four tight ends, but yet we also had some big games from some guys you wouldn't necessarily have expected But the volume was there. You kind of see maybe a week ahead of time So uh, if you got lucky and or you were playing it just right have a league where you can really move between these guys Then maybe your tight end scoring isn't that bad. You don't have to go to someone like fan How are are you looking at tight end, uh, especially in the context maybe of denver here? I'm
3: if I have a fan, I'm totally fine with rolling him out. I mean, I took David McIntyre's advice and I uh, tried to pick up Jared Cook where he was available because it was just a matter of time till he came back. Uh, what's really interesting uh, about this Denver team is that, and, and and Blair alluded to it, they really just need a quarterback. Like like they're missing the one piece that makes this entire offense kind of tick. Um, what I like a lot about Brand, uh, about Brandon Allen is that he's got zero compunction about just feeding his best guys, uh, even if he can't sustain drives. So you see Cortland Sutton and 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 Noah Fant just like taking up all the target share for for viable receivers, and that's just what you want as a fantasy owner, right? Like uh, Cortland Sutton unfortunately didn't do very well, but he got eight targets and he underperformed that volume, and partially you know, it's a result of the fact that it's, I mean, we've got Brandon Allen here. Uh, it's, it's, it's not necessary because we've seen Sutton smash. Like, so, so you've got these guys who are being targeted relentlessly by, by, by one guy. So, you know, you got the boom weeks that are going to eventually come. So I think you could, you could actually do a lot worse in fat because if, if you're, if all you're doing is looking for five targets out of your tight end, like at the very, at the very least of the floor, and that's pretty much a usable tight end week for you, you could you can definitely get out there and get way worse than um, than uh, Noah Fant, and you can, you know, like a like a Dawson Knox, for example, who is, uh, you know, who saw two targets on on the Bills. So like another, another rookie tight end or T.J. Hawkinson, who isn't seeing very much work with Jeffers under Center. I have I have no compunction about rolling the bones on on Fant because I like the fact that, you know, they're they're looking to target Fant short. Um, in these, uh, if you look at the the, the Stat Explorer, they're just trying to get him into space so that he can just use his freakish athleticism, and that's that's kind of all what we want to see, right?
1: Yeah, I've got a lot of him in Dynasty and uh, put out a few feelers when there were some big name guys available uh, as part of trades. You know, you're you're saying this guy is is going to be good next year. Those trades weren't accepted. I often find that these trades that aren't accepted a year from now you're very excited that they weren't and and i'm still you know very happy to have him going forward
3: attention past present and future my bookie players for this week only my is offering a risk-free bet on the bears lions game simply choose a team against the spread for up to 250 dollars and if you win congrats you've got extra holiday spending money and if you lose congratulations as well because my bookie will give you all of your money back and it's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose it's no risk all gravy. And it doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer, MyBookie welcomes everyone who's coming to play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Um, and if you find yourself that you're looking to bet on sports, but you have a lot of questions, don't sweat. MyBookie's customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join now, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of the incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code Redoviz, and mybookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. And let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for this week only. So if you're a true football fan who's just looking to watch some football while eating turkey, you don't let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Just hop on the gravy train, get in the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's get into no shit shit now.
2: All right, first item. Bose Carborough rushed 18 times for 98 yards in Detroit's Week 12 loss to Washington.
3: That's going to be a
1: no shit. So it, it seems like the main takeaway here, though, is that the Lions lost to Washington. Have they moved directly into the the tank competition as well? Uh, this it, it was interesting, I think, because I, I was going against several teams today where it was just Lions all across the board, and they had the all the skill positions covered. Scarborough. Um, Jones Galladay and Hawkinson that lineup didn't work out today you would think that Washington would be the time that it would work out but this is again uh, week 12 very interesting because a lot of guys uh, highly focused on these bi-week players and if you didn't have bi-week guys today you know that that 200 points that I mentioned earlier could really pull you back in so Lions uh, I think really fading away at this point.
2: Gotta say, no shit was not the way I expected you to go, Hassan. You think Scarborough is legit?
3: Ah, uh, and that he's <laughs> gonna just be like the one and two down back. Yeah, absolutely. Like they 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 rotated they rotated Ty Johnson in a little bit. They rotated you know JD McKissick a little bit. But I mean, at this point, it's it's clear that that Patricia his his dreams of an RBBC are coming true. And somehow all it took was Bo Scarborough suddenly showing up on their roster, like when no one realized it until like last Sunday. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think I think this is just how this going to be. It's just Driscoll isn't capable of like really sustaining drives. Uh, it, it's difficult, I think, in, in that regard. And like Scarborough had 18 carries and nobody like Johnson and McKissick combined for five. And I think that this is a trend that's likely to hold. So uh, for those of you who are looking to play the Turkey Day Slate um, on in DFS, uh, Scarborough is someone uh, you might want to consider in the early game.
2: Amari Cooper failed to catch either of his two targets in the Cowboys' Week 12 loss to the Patriots.
1: Shit no. The, the big takeaway here, though, is that the quad-owned team managed to dodge this bullet in advance. <laughs> uh so we got Pat, Pete, Hassan, Blair. You guys moving along? Is Amari Cooper coming back next week? Going to play well? Hassan, what happened in this game? Is this weather or is this injury? Uh, I think
3: it's a bit of just being draped with Stephen Gilmore all over him, and uh, the one time that he was targeted, Gilmore picked the ball off. Do either of you guys were either of you guys unfortunate enough to watch this game?
2: <laughs> no, luckily.
1: No, I I had. Uh, Almost all the first wave. This was Jason Garrett at his worst. (laughs) This was Jason Garrett at
3: his absolute worst. This was just, this was a a man looking to establish the run so hard that, that like, I mean, it was, it was, it was legitimately just unwatchable because like there were just so many three and outs and just so many hands. Right. Right. And it was, Really frustrating because, like, it was. Uh, so the first half was it was like torrential buckets, and this team just refused to throw, and they just tried to establish Zeke and Pollard, and then they tried a lot of short stuff at Randall Cobb, and and they tried written a little bit as well. It it was just not nothing was working. The team kind of played poorly, but also the game plan was was incredibly subpar. There was absolutely no creativity on their offense, and uh, Amari had like a couple of big plays called back on 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 a couple of Uh, penalties we might have gotten six points out of him which which (laughs) would have been nice
2: Leonard Fournette contributed 97 yards and two touchdowns on 24 carries while adding nine grabs for 62 yards and 12 targets Sunday in Jacksonville's week 12 loss to the Titans
1: no shit so Fournette is basically what David Johnson would have been if he could only run straight ahead (laughs) and now, Fournette is what David Johnson would be if he could run it all. So, it's it's exciting here, I think, to see Fournette get a little bit of the value out of his touches, because as we've been writing about, you know, Blair in the EP report all season long, he has been right there. I fell to third place this past week, uh, but for most of the season, he's trailed only Christian McCaffrey in terms of the expected points.
2: Cole Beasley hauled in six of nine targets for seventy-six yards and one score in Buffalo's Week 12 win over the Broncos.
3: Nice, also, shit, no,
1: <laughs> yeah, but beasley uh, i I think this one is just that once John Brown owners got very comfortable in what he was going to do and and the massive games he was having we had to go back in this direction they were bailed out by the touchdown pass here so those of us who feel like we're playing against john brown every week uh can at least know that davis and matthew friedman uh, somewhere are, are still very very happy about calling this guy back out of pittsburgh state
2: vance mcdonald caught his lone target for one yard in the steelers week 12 win over the
3: bengals
1: no shit it, how many how many games Hassan does Vance McDonald have more than one catch?
3: This is a very good question, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that um, I'm looking up on the on the chat board right now, so I'm vamping. But I will but I will say, part of it has to do with the fact that you know the quarterback situation, not all that great. But the other part has to do with the fact that what are you guys' thoughts on James Washington, but also Deontay Johnson?
2: Yeah good question James Washington was kind of I remember him as a prospect kind of uh a little bit tough to evaluate because he has this monster efficiency coming out of college but also uh is older um Pittsburgh seemed like a good landing spot because they didn't necessarily have that deep threat after Martavis Bryant left so it's been a little bit disappointing to see obviously him not get to play with Roethlisberger this season but it was nice to see that you know that one long catch he had today um I I guess if there's a connection with Devlin Hodges and Hodges is going to be the QB going forward then uh yeah wheels up for Washington but I don't know it's a it's you know not it's another one of these offenses that we just wish we're playing better
3: so so, Vance McDonald over the last three weeks um that uh, uh, b- before the Bengals had seven, seven, and seven. He's just been inefficient with his workload. He's not topped 30 yards in any of those three games. He was fortunate to have a receiving TD all the way back in. Week nine, this is a guy uh, who is just wildly underperforming his expected points in his fantasy and his fantasy points over expectation are very, very poor. So it's actually not that big of a surprise to see Pittsburgh just sort of go away from it. I mean, Tomlin's made an insinuation that like, Mason Rudolph wasn't the guy like a few weeks ago where he was just not like where they won. But he wasn't. Partic- it was against the Rams where they won, but he wasn't particularly pleased with how the offense was failing to, um, to function. I think this is you know pretty much flashpoint for them because the, the offense looked very different with
1: Hodges. understandable understand. What are your thoughts, Sean? Well, going back to, to James Washington there, I, he was one of the guys that our projection system, a lot of the great work uh, by writers of the past and certainly a lot of great work by Blair, you know, pointing out that. Not that he couldn't be a good NFL player, because a lot of these guys can be good NFL players, but he was overvalued, right? And that he projected more as a role player and maybe someone who would have a little bit of a slow start to his NFL career, which is what we've seen. Now, I think on these big games, especially a big game, which the perspective of probably is inflated a little bit, right? Because when you have these really nice performances with the backup, and that's one of the things with Deontay Johnson too, is someone who has performed well this season at the same time that Juju is struggling, which I think amplifies a little bit the the impression of what is going on there. I think if you can sell these guys for for great value, in your dynasty leagues, then you want to go ahead and do that. You want to take whatever profit or minimize your loss there. Certainly if you can't move them, I do think that there's reason for optimism because this offense is going to go back in the direction of being a pass first offense, supporting those guys. So that's what it needs to be. Right, I, I do think the other fun part today though is we had a decent game from Benny Snell who uh, perhaps will not be a good NFL player but someone who is a fantastic college player and really the, the difference in the way that he is looked at versus someone like David Montgomery, it, very strange to me because Snell, fantastic college player, really a better college player than Montgomery and then they go and they have similar workouts which is to say very poor. And yet one player uh, continues to really rise as a prospect, and the other one sor- sort of disappears. The good thing, I think, is that we saw today, clearly, that he didn't disappear for the Steelers, right? They still really like him. And so, uh, for me, that was that was the, the most exciting thing that, that came out of the Steelers' performance. Um, um, the most exciting thing for me was Gareth
3: White getting some work. Huh? <laughs> Six carries, 43 yards. 7.2 yards per carry. We don't have to deal with whatever Trey Edmonds is, and uh, there might be sunsetting Jalen Samuels here as well. Because Charith White was a guy who we were fairly excited. Uh, Devin McIntyre wrote him up as a um, as a pretty electric prospect to look at in the Chicago backfield, and uh, he the Steelers claimed him uh, when he was released, and they immediately upgraded him to their active roster because of his ability to play special teams. So if you're looking for a speculative uh, ad on your waivers for whatever little fob is available,
1: you could do worse. And certainly you've mentioned Devin a couple times now uh, for anybody who wants to consistently find sort of these invisible guys that no one in your league will have heard of. And so you're not going to have a lot of competition for them, but they are going to come around later and score points and win leagues for you. Uh, definitely follow Devin, check out his articles, you know, get into the road of his Patreon and uh, interact with him because he's, he's going to have the guys for you.
2: Saquon Barkley compiled 59 yards on 17 carries along with two catches for one yard on three targets Sunday in New York's Week 12 loss to the
3: Bears. This is going to be a no-shit for me, actually. Oh, it's got to be the
1: other way, right? Because I I don't know if Blair has checked this out, but he and I and our uh, buddy Curtis Patrick are fighting... For a spot in the kitchen Cinco semifinals and Barkley was supposed to be along with McCaffrey the driver of my squad and it turns out that you know he's he's more of one of these dead zone backs this year where the value you get does not remotely uh, balance out the risk you have that he might get injured on any given play how is he not getting seven or eight targets a game the Among all of the things that have happened this year, this may be one of the more under uh, under underappreciated or just you look at what Nick Chubb has done, what Dalvin Cook has done. Those guys have been absolutely fantastic. By contrast, having Barkley look like this and not involved the way that he should be is it's mind boggling. It's hard to figure out what the Giants are doing here.
3: So part of it, I think, I wonder how much of this really still stems from the high ankle sprain that he suffered like all those weeks back. Uh, and again, I mean, it, it's it's superhuman to consider the fact that uh, Barkley would be able to come back after, you know, uh, a bye week and just sort of smash. And I was really kind of hoping he would. Uh, but it's not too long ago that he, you know, I mean, two weeks ago, he would rushed 13 times for one yard. What really frustrates me is that Pat Shermer is, uh, he's just feeding, I mean, and here's the thing, he should be feeding the wide receivers. He's giving Gary Staten seven targets, Golden Tate seven targets, Sherling Shepherd's back, he got nine today. And a Caden Smith, uh, a rookie tight end, got six. They're, they're, and I think that probably, because Barkley might just not be doing particularly well. He had three targets today, caught two of them for one yard. Like, I think this high ankle sprain is really, really getting uh, it might really be the the primary driver here, uh, and I mean obviously, and some of it comes down to just Daniel Jones. I mean, if you're a if you're a Giants fan, it, w- are you feeling existential despair that your quarterback got out-dueled by Mitchell Trubisky? That's a, I I I don't know because I, I mean I feel I feel really really bad for Saquon Barkley because he should be on a, on a, It's a long fall from grace, and I mean the guy is just such a tremendous like transcendent talent to actually watch. So I'm really hoping that he's able to heal up. Um I did want to ask both of you guys um uh Davis Matic on his on his podcast actually posited a few weeks ago that he thinks uh, Saquon could be a stealth shutdown candidate now that you know the Giants are 2 and 9 um and you know I mean they're not going to really win many more games going forward so like at what point do you think that the Giants choose to actually just sit Saquon for his own sake just to, to, I mean there's there's n- nothing left for them to do except for try to get like a higher pick, right? So do you think saquon is a stealth shutdown candidate and if so when should they shut him down
2: yeah that's a good question i think that uh i would be surprised if they did shut him down this season to be honest i mean i think some workload management probably is maybe something they might be doing i I mean maybe this was part of it although you'd think that it would be more prudent to give him more targets and less carries but whatever um yeah, I'd be surprised if they did something that kind of seems rational from a real football perspective like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a possibility. Do you see NFL teams really do that that often? I mean, this early in the season or or uh, until, you know, that's maybe more of a Week 17 thing. I'm not sure.
1: You would certainly have to come up with another – injury and then that makes the giants look bad as well this goes back to the situation we see every week where teams don't really know what they're doing in the preseason and they need the practice and yet They hold those guys out of those games, and that may make sense, right? But then you immediately get into the regular season, and teams are down by three touchdowns on the final drive, and they have a lot of their starters in because they're trying to make those final margins look better because nobody wants to to get fired, which is a very reasonable approach for human beings to take. I think we have a little bit of the same thing here with the Giants where uh, the coaches want to win – Ownership and just the team in general is going to want the fans to have something to be excited about And if you're a Giants fan Barkley is the guy. I think it's a real hit that the team would take uh, in and possibly have You know one of these Hangover types effects if they were to do that now uh, in terms of just Him and the long-term Success of the franchise. It would make a lot of sense
2: Tyler Boyd caught five of nine targets for 101 yards and one touchdown in the Bengals' 16-10 Week 12 loss to the Steelers.
1: No shit. Boyd in the lineup for your quad team today, guys?
2: No, he was on the bench, Cooper in the lineup.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and Peter Rovers had actually mentioned that he was complaining about his lack of targets, and we should have just played him based on that. Did, did you guys happen to watch him on that drive where he scored the touchdown?
1: No, the Bengals were not in the uh, immediate queue for initial watching.
3: Uh, you see, so that's one where I would genuinely recommend to find the highlights of Boyd because he was an absolute mensch on that drive. He mossed two defenders huh. to to make two incredible catches, one to keep the drive alive, and then one to score the touchdown. And it was actually, you know how people still complain about just the fact that he had a, like a pretty poor combine like all those years ago, despite the fact that you know he's a fantastic uh, NFL player? Um. So it's just one of those things that the the combine testing doesn't match. The fact that this is a guy who launches himself like and makes these like ridiculous one-handed grabs out of you know over defenders and just brings the ball down. It it really
1: was a joy to watch. Well, Boyd had a ton of rushing yards in college, too, which is easy to forget about when his team wanted to get the ball in his hands. His numbers are not going to be what they would have been in a lot of other situations. And, you know, you may be in a dynasty league right now where trading is no longer allowed, but he's going to be less expensive this offseason than his true value indicates. And so, you know, he's going to be someone to go after just every single league league in the offseason. Uh one of our listeners
3: mentioned to me that uh he saw uh Boyd and uh, actually let me just bring up the exact trade right here. Um someone traded away Godwin for Chris uh for Tyler Boyd a first and two seconds. What are your thoughts? Hmm. Say that again. it again. Uh, for... Godwin for uh Boyd, uh 2019 first and two 2019 seconds. What side?
2: I think that is probably pretty rich for Godwin. I mean, I like Godwin a lot, but it it's tricky like because you see,
1: Yeah, you see the game that Godwin had the day where uh, it's tricky cuz you go back and forth like every next week again Mike Evans will have a 50-point hmm. game and it'll be like, "Oh, you know, how could we've ever thought that Chris Godwin was the guy in this offense?" But you know Godwin is is so good in so many different ways where Evans seems to be good in in more or less one way now it's the most important way and you know I think the fantasy douche will be very excited about the way that Mike Evans is playing this year and the way that he is good but yeah I mean if if Godwin ended up being the you know wide receiver two or three you know if he's the number 2 guy behind Michael Thomas you know, a year or 18 months from now. I don't think that would be a huge shock based on what he's doing now. I mean, his point total just for this year (laughs) indicates that he's at that level. So, you know, you get Tyler Boyd and a first, you know, you have to hit on the first in order for that to balance back out. At the same time, you know, we could be talking 12 months from now about this being a literal two for one (laughs) where, Mm -hmm. you know, Boyd and Godwin are about the same. And then you got a first round pick in a draft that, you know, could be tricky, but it's also loaded. And so, so, you know, I, I think you have to like the Boyd side.
2: Ronald Jones rushed 12 times for 51 yards and a touchdown in the Bucs Week 12 win over the Falcons.
1: No shit. Ronald Jones, what are the chances that Jones uh, still ends up being the best back from this class? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Are they higher than 0%? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um,
3: I, I uh, still think, I mean... Part of it is just watching the Arians' usage because he seems to be fairly convinced that um, each of his RBs plays a very specific niche role. Uh, in, in case you guys are ever trying to justify to yourselves why Peyton Barber is getting is getting work, um, or, or Dari Ogunbowale is getting work, but um, and uh, again, and I mentioned him before, but backer and has done a really good job uh, grinding the uh, the various Tampa Bay. Um, Podcasts do understand how this works, uh, so he's got a very, very well fleshed out, very well nuanced take on on Jones. But I do think Jones is the guy they use primarily when the game is a neutral script and in slightly positive script um, because he looks very good. Uh, it's a bit of a shame that they're not really using him as much in the receiving game. But at the same time, um, it's it's hard to expect uh, you know an eight, eight to ten targets uh, every game for
1: Rojo. This is a situation here where. I think that there are going to be a lot of people who are trying to get away from Jones after he's had a few good games. But when you watch them play, he looks absolutely fantastic, right? This is a guy who still makes a lot of mistakes, still gets tackled behind the line of scrimmage on occasion when maybe he could have gotten, you know, free for a yard or two. But when he gets through there, he's so fast. Uh, he, he has this stealth receiving upside where he could be a fantastic receiver and has the physical ability for it. And Arians has talked about that as well. So getting some uh, encouragement from the coach there. Like you mentioned, you know, they are using these backs very situationally. And unfortunately, Barber comes in in a number of situations around the goal line. But we did see today that when Jones got his carry inside the 10, I mean, he punched through there, fought for that touchdown. He's the best guy they have inside the 10 as well. I think we're going to see more of this. This is still a fantastic athlete who was a big-time prospect. And if you can go and buy him now that there is some reason – I mean, at a a certain point, the risk – that he was just never going to be an NFL player was starting to get to be pretty significant. Now that you have a little bit of a floor, I think it makes sense to go out and buy and buy and buy. However, that's coming from a very biased perspective where I already own him in every single league. So there, there won't be any buying from me unless I join more, uh, more leagues going forward.
2: So just to be clear, we're talking the class with Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Philip Lindsay, and Hassan just said, and I guess by implication, Sean Siegel just said that maybe Ronald Jones is the best in that class.
3: <laughs> non zero chance, but yeah, why not? Yeah, maybe. I, I actually do have a good question for you though. Um Rojo versus on Like right, where do you Carrion. think the ADP shake out? Where do you think the ADP shake out in redraft basketball next uh let's say April of next year?
2: Well, I mean Carrion came in. <sighs> His ADP was already getting up there going into the season. I think he showed enough in his rookie year to really get people excited. And, I mean, he's had another season, unfortunately, derailed by injury. But maybe the the fact that it was an injury that is taking him off the field means he still will be pretty valuable and pretty hard to uh, acquire, you know, drafted pretty early. So uh, I guess I'd still expect carry on to have the edge in terms of like dynasty adp but um yeah i mean it depends if if rojo can do can have a few more games like this or you know even show more of his pass catching uh skill that he showed a couple weeks ago i think uh it could probably be close miles sanders rushed 12 times for 63 yards in the eagles week 12 loss to the seahawks
1: no uh this is gonna be a shit no yeah, Sanders, he's looked pretty good at times. He's one of our guys, obviously, on the zero running back uh, candidates list, and it's been a little disappointing with the opportunity opened up for him that he hasn't done more. At the same time, this game, uh, Carson Wentz, It was, and it, not just Carson Wentz, right? We had a little bit of uh, certainly a sideways wind serious velocity made it a little bit trickier uh, <laughs> playing Jacob Hollister today. And Russell Wilson had him wide open in the end zone. No one really within 10 yards. And, you know, just a clear line of sight, just a little, you know, five-yard flip pass, managed to to miss it over his head by, you know, 10 feet, which I think gives a little bit of a sense of how difficult it was. But Carson Wentz on essentially screen passes, missed Sanders, you know, wide right, wide left, you know, looked a little bit like what we saw, sadly, from the Carolina kicker today maybe not that much that Sanders can do within the context of an offense where the quarterback is playing as poorly as he is and the overall group is being as swallowed up by the Seahawks as they were.
3: The one big benefit for Sanders' investors is the fact that this guy just, you know, I mean, he's still got 12 carries. He put up 63 yards, you know, frankly, a really strong uh showing given how you mentioned just how poor their the offense actually looked and the fact that jj really didn't i mean he really worked more so as, as a breather back than an actual someone who's going to be splitting the workload it's clear that it's clear the eagles do like sanders i mean this was a very condensed rushing share and I'm, and I'm quite excited to see how uh, you guys will write up write up uh the philadelphia eagles in the uh, this week's zero rb report but uh, it's tough because like sanders is getting work now and he's like it's he's one of these the only guy and it's just the offense's ineptitude is really what's keeping him from having these boom weeks you got to just keep starting him because the volume's there right
2: yeah i think so as long as jordan howard is out right i mean he also had five targets today and obviously if only at least two of those if the if the pass was a little more accurate or it was not quite as windy i mean one of those i think he could have almost turned into a touchdown so um, could have been a very different game uh for Sanders so yeah I definitely think he's he's startable um as long as as long as there's not much competition um either of you guys have a Greg Ward junior take
3: <laughs> Yes I do He's not very good and the Eagles should stop really throwing to him and just giving him much work <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll go with the song's take there. It's uh, it, it would have been nice to see a little bit more uh, JJ there. Yeah. yeah, like
3: they they he. I mean, like the guy the, gets targeted fairly deep, and um, I wonder if the Eagles lost this like this deep threat, um, uh, some guy called uh, Deshaun Jackson, who you know future Hall of Famer, to to an unfortunate <laughs> hamstring, like one that you know forced him onto IR. And now they're just trying to like run everything up the middle with like their this 12 personnel stuff. Like they really need to get like put JJR Sega Whiteside out there and just see what they have in him. Because either either you wasted a second round draft pick on him and you should know sooner rather than later. But um hey, maybe they really like like Greg Ward ahead of Jordan Matthews. I don't know, but I really think that the lack of usage here for JJR Sega Whiteside, especially after Peterson did say. That whiteside our segal Whiteside will get playing time once um, uh Alistair and Jeffrey is hurt, and the fact that that hasn't come to fruition is really frustrating. so I, I, I don't know what, what we're missing because he does see a handful of targets. And again, this is a team that had an elite deep threat. They don't have them anymore. They need someone to open up the the middle the middle of the field. It's very difficult when you're trying to run Ertz and, and goder you know through the middle of the field, and there's no space. I, I, I don't know. But, you know, this is why um, I I uh, co-host a podcast, and uh, I'm not in the NFL.
2: <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky completed 25 of 41 passes for 278 yards with one touchdown and two interceptions while adding 18 yards and a touchdown on seven carries Sunday in Chicago's Week 12 win over the Giants.
1: I'm actually going to go with uh, no shit for this one. And, and what is the the rationale there?
3: Um Blair and I talked about this, like, uh, like on on the pod a few weeks ago. But uh, we identified Chicago as having a fairly conducive uh, schedule for uh, quarterbacks for the RotoViz uh, fantasy streaming app. It was one of the reasons why we spent um, a lot of our FOB to acquire him in DFWC, and we benched him for folds today. But um, part of it is just. Uh, it feels like a very public falling out between, you know, Nagy and, uh, and, and quarterback, uh, because it just feels like they were forcing him to do stuff that he wasn't able to do, um, you know, asking him to make all these real NFL throws when that's never been Trubisky's game. He's better off scrambling and just sort of, you know, being a little bit more improvis- improvisational, treat him more like a Josh Allen than an actual, you know, um, than he is a uh, Deshaun Watson, Right um and i think they did a little bit of that today because they they minimized david montgomery's role i mean M- montgomery had 13 carries for 22 yards which okay whatever but they let trubisky um improvise a little bit and i think after they hit the nader against like the rams and that god-awful uh game i think they kind of went back to the drawing board it, it looks like they're prioritizing a rob miller Gohen. like this is it, it, it's actually magical like Nagy has spent an entire season pretending to Rico and doesn't exist, and he brings him back out, and uh, and like at least he's allowing for a quick athletic, uh, outlet receiver for 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 who uh, who Trubisky can at least make layup throws to. He got nine targets, today. he got seven of those. He only you know put up 29, 29 yards, but it's good to have that outlet receiver for the quarterback, especially one
1: who's as as inaccurate as Trubisky, right? Well, it's certainly good to see these quarterbacks being used in the way that they can be successful, like you mentioned. And not every quarterback is going to be an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or you know, someone like a Drew Brees. And to have guys like Trubisky, Allen, you know, someone like a Russell Wilson doesn't take a lot of the throws off the initial read, draws those plays out. And one of the reasons why his receivers every season are just ridiculously efficient is because he's not your traditional NFL quarterback and is consistently throwing to them. Once plays break down, he's extended the play and then he's got guys wide open. So you have these efficiency numbers that that really pop out as being ridiculous year after year. It's very difficult to find a starting NFL quarterback. So when you have someone like a Trubisky, even someone who's had as many problems as he's had, it's certainly important not to give up on them prematurely and to find out what they can do well. And also, again, a, a very exciting game, I think, for, for Allen Robinson owners today. Uh, keeping his name in play uh, to remain in that middle tier of of dynasty wide receivers.
2: Jarvis Landry caught ten of thirteen targets for one hundred forty eight yards and two touchdowns in the Browns' Week Twelve win over Miami.
1: No shit, Jarvis. He's one of the guys that. Well, I should I shouldn't say we. I shouldn't say I love i know that there you know are certain road of his quarters who don't like the fact that he is not a deep guy but someone who plays as hard as he does and the browns i don't know if they're starting to turn a corner clearly results against miami do not mean the same thing they mean against legitimate nfl teams but huge to see this game today uh, I had mentioned in the opening the main event that that ben and i have and we were texting back and forth today our team has Mike Evans and he's been the guy for us since David Johnson, obviously not playing well injured, all that kind of thing. So anytime that you're without your first round pick, you have to have a lot of things go right to stay competitive. And Mike Evans has been the guy we were facing Chris Godwin. And so you're looking at that game. And if you had told us before the day that one of those guys would, would have 37, the other would have nine and that we were going to be on the bad side of that split, then I don't think that we would have told you that we were going to win by uh, 25 points or so. But Landry, uh, the thing today, finishes with less than a point uh, below Chris Godwin, so really bailed us out. Kept us in there along with, again, our DJ Moore and, and some of those other Rotovis guys, including the big game from Will Fuller finally back on Thursday night.
2: Rashad Penny rushed 14 times for 129 yards and one touchdown in the Seahawks' 17-9 week 12 win over the Eagles.
1: No shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the direction you're going to go on that one. We, so, the, yeah, so all of that that I just said, plus we benched Penny for Blair's favorite NFL player and one that I sounds like Hassan has been... Um, I, it sounds like most of your internet time has been spent on looking for nicknames for Patrick Laird there. And so it seems like you found a good one. I, what are you guys doing with Benny?
3: This is really frustrating because uh, it seems like he's coming alive at the wrong time because any team where I was relying on him is dead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just when you're about to give up on Penny we're actually – Probably most of us already have. It sounds like even even Sean did after uh, you know starting layered over Penny this week. Uh,
1: but this is good though. Now I mean they're not all dead. Well, I, Hassan, it it sounds like maybe yours yours are and it all <laughs> they, they all be should be right. But I mean this is this is huge. If this game could be the start of something, even if it's not like this, but uh, sort of where we were with Rojo a few weeks ago, if it could be the start of just a little bit. So David Johnson out you have Jones, you have Penny, suddenly those zero running back teams, because zero running back teams could have this construction as well. Those would be two of your main guys. You know, if you had, looking through some of the teams that Chad Schroeder has, the uh, top uh, fantasy player in the world, again, you know, looking through my leagues, he's near the top of most of them, and, and since he plays in quite a few, I'm sure that that isn't just... Uh, Limited to the leagues I'm in. And a lot of his teams are very, very wide receiver heavy. So I don't necessarily think that he's a penny owner, but it's certainly very possible to be wide receiver heavy and to be heading into week 13, borderline to make the playoffs. If you could make the playoffs with a win next week, move into you know the three-week race for all the marbles with him, now suddenly you've got a shot, right? I mean, he he looked slow but feisty on that long touchdown run. Uh, I mean,
3: for all the talk of like the team just not abandoning Chris Carson because of the fumble issues, I think today it was just one where they were like, okay, it's time to actually abandon this because they were using him. I mean, Carson saw four targets in the receiving game. Penny saw one. And and um, you know, it's clear that they still don't really trust Benny. So I think they're gonna it's gonna be more of a Chris Carson show next week. But I really think that um, this is now yeah, I mean I mean again, P P. Carroll is completely just stuck by Carson despite all the, the you know, the back fumbles and now it's gonna be really crucial for carson to take care of the football like he was in that one big uh he had that one stretch from week four through week eight where he took care of it but he's fumbled at least once in every other
1: game and i think this is the value too here of having these zero running back selections you know like a jones like a penny where you've, you've got a first round pick right so the Seahawks despite how much they like Carson and they should he's been very good they i mean and penny has has had some problems right but you're desperately wanting to be able to go back to your fans, the people you answer to, if you're the GM with the owner, and say, look, we, we were right about this. And so anytime you have a game like this, and the people who get to decide whether or not you play have the incentive to show we were right, and now they have an excuse to give you more chances, uh, that, that's a very positive sign because there are still a lot of people in the Seahawks organization that want to see him do well.
2: Uh right before moving on, I want to remind you to become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions, gain league-winning advice from any of the podcast and writing team like Hassan and myself. Patronships start at just six dollars a month. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join the exclusive community of listeners. Sign up at patreon.com slash rotoviz radio. Uh we want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL Podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium nfl content and all our tools and it also supports the pod plus for a limited time only we're offering a two-year rv radio nfl sub which includes a 10 percent discount and complimentary access to rotoviz radio patreon and the rotoviz radio slack channel for the 2019 season so if you're in a playoff push right now you definitely want to get on that make sure you're getting all your start sit advice And you can get that with a two-year subscription with 10% off. And all you have to do is head to rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sign up via the two-year RV radio subscription. We'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, moving on to news item number three. Sam Darnold completed 20 of 29 passes for 315 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions in the Jets' 34-3 week 12 win over the Raiders. Sean, Darnold has looked a lot better over the last three games and the Jets offense finally roared to life. Do you think that this recent performance is sustainable going forward?
1: I do to an extent, right? We're still going to see the Jets be this team that's in progress, right? That is developing and Darnold... You know, he's going to be the answer for them. They have some fun pieces. Uh, Today, it was back to, for really one of the first times all season, you know, we saw Robbie Anderson do a little bit more of what he can do when Jamison Crowder looked like, you know, he was primed to be the guy with this matchup today. You have Le'Veon Bell. It's really a matter of if the coaching situation will mesh. With the players, if the players buy in, you know, with the coaches, if they all get enough time to develop. One of the things that is tricky when you get into these situations where the team is bad and has young players and has a coach who doesn't have really the resume to be able to sit back and say, look, you know, we're bad, but I know what I'm doing. Right. When, you, when you're a coach who is in that process of proving that, then there are so many different pieces, so many things that can go wrong, and so many chances for the constant reboots. And so I think for the Jets here, it'll be important for them to play well down the stretch, just so they can have some continuity going forward and some of these young guys can build together.
3: Uh, yeah, and I'm also very excited because uh, the next few games for the Rotovo's uh, Strength of Schedule app um, are... Rated out as uh, green, um, so you get Cincinnati and then you get Miami. It gets pretty, pretty tough for week fifteen and sixteen of the off the playoffs. But by then, you you know very well to avoid Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, so I think I think Darnold here is a is a viable streamer. I just wanted to ask a question. I mean, Anderson got four of his five targets for eighty six yards and a touchdown. Like, is this a guy who you feel comfortable? Do you think you can slot him in next
1: week uh, here against uh, Cincy? I don't, um, and have even dropped him in some redraft, which didn't necessarily pan out today because in in those uh, double flex positions, he would be an excellent performer there with those stats. But this offense, the way they used him... Long term, though, you know, I love him as a dynasty buy. He's still a guy where you know that deep threat is hugely valuable. He could be next year's John Brown, right, where he moves to an offense that is more willing and more capable of using him appropriately, and suddenly you're getting those big games you know almost every week.
2: yeah, uh, I kind of agree with that. I don't know that I'm comfortable starting him any week, although I am in the you know Sean mentioned the kitchen. Cinco League that I'm trying to move on in the playoffs kind of unsuccessfully it looks like but uh, Robbie Anderson is someone I've been starting pretty much every week just out of necessity because it's like choosing between you know him and uh, Robert Foster and Paul Richardson and there's not a lot of good options (laughs) to uh, add to your lineup there but um, yeah definitely seeing this game seeing him at least get those, um, six targets I think he had or five targets rather, um, you know, and do something with them. I think it's encouraging and, you know, at least you have to like the, the schedule going forward. And if there's a time when he's going to kind of come back to life, hopefully it's over these next few weeks. So, um, yeah, unfortunately in at least one league, I'm going to keep rolling him out. Although it might not matter much going forward, but, uh, definitely don't feel confident about it although yeah i don't know i mean i think he's he's done enough in his career thus far to show that he really is like an explosive player and and can uh be a meaningful you know have a meaningful fantasy impact and hopefully much more than that so i mean i guess i'm hopeful yeah (laughs) Uh, hopeful but i've been living with the with the poor results for many weeks now so i'm also a little bit uh, masochistic,
3: maybe. A.J. Brown impressed with uh, four catches for 135 yards and a touchdown on five targets Sunday in the Titans' Week 12 victory over Jacksonville. Sean, although Brown isn't receiving a significant number of targets, he's been very efficient with his workload over the course of the season so far. What are your, you know Brown's prospects for the rest of the redraft season, and where do you rank him among the rest of the rookie wide receivers today?
1: Well, this is a guy, you know, we've talked about our projection system, the different metrics that do have uh, predictive value in terms of looking at these young wide receivers as they transition from college to the NFL, and then from that first year to the second year. And he checks a lot of the boxes that we like, and I think that's the reason why, uh, as a group, Rotoviz had him very high going into the season as high as number two at a certain point, then obviously dropping down a little bit as the uh, OTAs and then you know some of the training camp types of things went along. But especially the three of us, right, have really, really liked him and, you know, had him as high as number two. So when you're looking at that and you look at what he has done in this offense that is terrible and you contrast what he's done with where Corey Davis is now Davis has been a little bit of a bust. And so we can't simply say, Oh, he's been better than Davis. So that means they're both good or that he's awesome. And and Davis is good. I mean, Davis may not be someone who is all that viable in any way, shape or form going forward. Maybe that doesn't tell us as much as we would like to think. However, as you mentioned, has looked great on the volume. He's a guy where if this offense takes the next step next season, I think we could be looking at him As you know, almost taking this DJ Chark sort of jump to where not a big rookie season, but there were clear expectations or explanations for that. And then as a sophomore, and we talk you know so much on the show and on the site about that big sophomore jump for wide receivers. And if you want to dominate your league, you need to own as many of them as possible. He certainly in that group, where whatever his ADP is for next year, unless it gets to be absolutely crazy based on some you know sea change in, in what they're doing as a team, I think you have to own him absolutely everywhere. Unlike DJ Chark, AJ Brown's actually on the
3: field and producing, especially when he was considered to be kind of not even the third. He was considered to be more of a third slash fourth stringer with Adam Humphries and Delaney Walker expected to to play to play bigger roles than they currently are um what i find fascinating is that he is uh, it's almost dj moore esque which is a really high praise to pray uh, you know pay here but at the same time like you're looking at someone who when he gets the volume he does a lot with it and he's and he's done so since like week 1 um he hasn't you know i mean maybe his raw stats aren't as impressive but i mean this is a guy who's got the look of of an actual solid possession wide receiver, like an alpha in in the NFL. And it's something that like Kevin Cole and I were talking about way back in May. in that maybe this is like the team, the Titans do recognize that Corey Davis isn't the alpha, the presumptive alpha they thought he was when they drafted him at five overall. Um, and uh, they think that A.J. Brown gives them a good running mate with Corey Davis. Um, but they, I'm sure they're pleasantly surprised with the results that. You know, Brown is just a guy who that that catch and run was actually fairly impressive, and he made a handful of other really big boy plays this season, and even in the game today. That it's you can see this guy becoming like like we where we hoped he would be when he declared, and where we hoped his where he was when the comps came out within the box score scout app, because like this guy's got like the look of someone who you should be able to throw the ball to, and he's able to. To, to get you the yards that you're looking for. Kind of like Jarvis, this is going to sound like pretty poor, but Jarvis Landry
1: plus comes to mind. Hassan, you've had him as high as number one in this class of wide receivers at different points. Is that, is that true? Yeah, I see him and Nikhil
3: Harry as fairly interchangeable. Like, it's just the style that they play, their their physical makeup, where they were drafted, not really similar, but they, were, they drew interest from the same teams who are looking for possession style guys. Uh, I think that those are the like those are your true like if you're if you want to put this in any other way, it's like the Spider-Man meme for those two guys as prospects. The the big difference and the weird thing that it's always gets to me about AJ Brown is um because people who who enjoy grinding the film were really big on 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 DK Metcalf. They had to basically tell themselves the lie that AJ Brown is bad. And, and, and the leaps in logic it took to get there were actually very fascinating because they were like, he's only a slot wide receiver. And it's like, well, we've got a majority of his games are played without DK Metcalf in the lineup. And he, if, if you think of that, like his, him making these like phenomenally athletic clashes on the outside is him playing the slot. Then I, I, maybe we're just watching two different realities. Like there's just no middle ground to be found here. So um, that's my long winded way of saying that I do think that he is someone who should be on um, and he, he, on, on on my short list of trying, of trying to smash Because I was smashing him a lot in, in best balls in the 18th and 20th rounds of, of BB 10s and draft basketball leagues because
1: he was just he was free. And certainly there are some leagues where guys picked him very early. I'm in a league. With Pete, for example, and, and Pete picked him, you know, in the first five picks, and and joked with me about uh, he felt like he'd read something about him on Rotoviz uh, which is probably an understatement. You're you're going to have a hard time getting him away from Pete. I've made some offers uh, that I thought would be enticing, including uh, some with with Chris Godwin, uh, that that did not go through, but. In some leagues, he was drafted, you know, borderline first round or even fell into the second round range. And I think when you have owners who maybe are not quite as attached would be somebody to go out with, go out, go after in the offseason. This is a player who's bigger than people realize, faster than people realize has better deep ball skills than people realize. And is also an absolute monster after the catch. So just, you know, sort of piling on with what you're saying there, Hassan, in terms of what he can do on a football field, those are the things you're looking for from a star.
2: So I'm just looking at our uh, dynasty rankings and looking at uh, where we all have Brown. And one guy who is pretty close to Brown in a lot of our rankings, maybe a controversial uh kind of dichotomy here and that's with another rookie marquise brown who coming into or after the first few games of the season looked like he might actually be the best rookie wide receiver in this class and then has since kind of cooled off a little bit i'm just wondering um where you would have aj brown in relation to you know a lot of these other rookie wide receivers like metcalf or like marquise brown who um, a lot of them have looked promising at different points of the
1: season The exciting thing, I think, whether you're a dynasty owner or just already looking ahead of 2020 redraft, is that situation with a few of these guys has kept them down to where they are going to be affordable next year right at the point in time where we would expect them to make this huge leap. Marquise Brown, another player that you want to have almost everywhere, and that's despite the fact that the Ravens really do profile as a very... Uh, a relatively low volume passing attack but one of the things that jumps out you know when you look at the AYA app on the site for example is that Lamar Jackson's efficiency this season when he's targeted his specifically his wide receivers have been very very high and while we know that efficiency is not necessarily as sticky as some other types of things we also know blair from your work that it's actually a very good sign for some of these guys as they go into their second seasons and i think that when we're looking at lamar jackson in some ways we're almost looking at someone who is you know if it can really be said about someone as good as russell wilson that he's sort of a supercharged version of that to where If you were to tell someone five years from now that Jackson, because of the things he brings to the table and because of the types of plays that are going to run and how that sets up for the wide receivers, that he's going to consistently have uh, crazy efficiency numbers for his receivers in the same way that we've seen that with you know, Doug Baldwin and then Tyler Lockett. And now I really do think you, know, you also mentioned DK Metcalf, someone else who is likely to have some pretty fantastic efficiency. Metcalf dropped a long touchdown today that would have helped both Russell Wilson and Metcalf owners. Uh, all of those guys, guys that I think you should be going for. The problem for me, and I think the thing that we'll be looking for in terms of of what we do in the offseason with the rankings is the quarterback position because if you're looking at Lamar Jackson you're looking at Russell Wilson I think you can have some confidence at what the floor is going to be and then what the ceilings could be if the volume ends up being there which you know season to season it might not be but over the course of multiple seasons you're probably not going to lose uh, if you have a Marquise Brown if you have a DK Metcalf what are the Titans going to do at quarterback? What are they going to do with our team in general? They're almost one of these teams. That's just good enough that they might not make some of the changes they need to make. And if they don't make those changes is Ryan Tannehill good enough to get AJ Brown where we want, which You know, is someone just like all those guys we mentioned at the top of the show where the second year receivers are ranked in that 20 to 30 range as dynasty players for A.J. Brown to get up into that range? uh, We would want to know more about the quarterback situation and just the overall team situation. You know, is this going to be a team that's really trying to get Derrick Henry, you know, 30 touches a game or is it going to be a team that's trying to win Super Bowls?
2: All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Sean Siegel. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at FF underscore contrarian. Remember to rate and review The Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email RotovizRadio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage. Rotoviz.com slash podcast.